Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the pure manna from heaven. Thank you that you've come to this world to help us. Thank you that we have received that help and we are your children. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for helping us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ today. And thank you for everything that that means. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Y'all look wonderful. What's the difference between the Christmas alphabet and the regular alphabet? The Christmas alphabet has no L. (laughs) Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. A prophet named Isaiah wrote that, Isaiah 7.14, about 700 years before that prophecy came to pass. Christmas right around the corner. 2,000 years ago, I'm sure there were lots of preparations being made in heaven. You know, at that time, no one had ever been there like us, ever. There was a place called Paradise, down next to hell. A great chasm divided them, and that's where all those who died in faith, believing for the coming Messiah, went. Jesus is the one that went up there and put his blood on the altar and made the way possible for all the saints to enter in. Great preparations were being made in heaven, but... Wouldn't you say from very humble beginnings here? (laughs) I'd like to go to the Gospel of Matthew today. I can never, just in the, the first chapter, I never go to Matthew without noticing this and thanking God. You see what I see? What? Blank page. Means a whole lot. That blank page between the old covenant and the new. Means everything to you. (laughs) 
starting in the 18th verse, the first chapter of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. This is how it went down. <laughs> when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, they were engaged, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. He could have had her killed. He was a good guy, so he was just going to break up with her in some sort of discreet manner, the best he could probably figure out. I'm sure all kind of things are going through his head. He didn't know what to do. Had he done that, and her father rejected her, she would have been put out on the street to beg or worse. It would not have ended well for this young girl. But while he thought on these things, verse 20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, you know what they're saying, Till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Matthew quoted that prophecy I told you about from Isaiah 7.14, and he, he applied it here to Jesus in verse 23. It was one of more than 200 prophecies fulfilled about Jesus, by Jesus. They say that just a handful of those prophecies, in order for that to happen the way it did, maybe say a dozen of them or so, much less 200, for that to actually go down and be prophesied from different people over different times, over a period of thousands of years, you could stack, take a silver dollar and put a red mark on one, say with some nail polish, and put it in a stack of silver dollars two feet deep and cover the whole state of Texas and shuffle them all up and then tell somebody blindfolded, go pick one, and that would be the one they picked. That's only for a handful of the prophecies, that many to come true, but for over 200, it's just a done deal, folks. True story, bro. <laughs> 
Amen. <laughs> he was the only person ever born of a virgin, or ever will be. For Jesus not to have, I talked about this a little bit last week, but not to have a sinful nature that we all are naturally born with since the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he had to be born of a virgin. All the claims of Jesus being God hinge on this truth. Amen. Amen. And science now has discovered that all of the that a child inherits all of his blood from the father. And Leviticus 17 verses 11 and 14 tell us that the life of all flesh is in the blood. Amen. Amen. The, here, here's the scripture. Le- Leviticus 17, 11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now back then they did it with the blood of bulls and goats and animals. Jesus did it once and for all on the real altar in heaven. And that blood is continually sitting there on that altar right in the presence of God the Father. And we, the Bible teaches this, that that blood cries out for something greater than what Abel's blood cried out for. Abel's blood cried out to God for vengeance from the earth. Jesus' blood is constantly in heaven before God and the angels crying out for mercy on your behalf and mine. Amen. So if Joseph had been Jesus' father, Jesus would have been sinful too. He would have been born that way. Because he would have inherited that corrupted human blood of Joseph. But, but, but since God was the Father, physically and spiritually, Jesus has the eternal life of God flowing through his veins. Mary just supplied the body, the vehicle, for God to inhabit. Jesus was and is God manifest in the flesh. Amen. First Timothy 3.16 says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of God, of Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, capital S, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And like I said, Matthew one twenty three interprets the name Emmanuel as God with us. So that's saying that Jesus is God. Why did he come? Well, there's a scripture you see hung up that used to. They probably don't allow it anymore. I want 
I don't watch football anymore, but I, because I don't have television, but I, I get apps. <laughs> I see, but I used to see John 3.16 hanging up at all the football games, you know. That's a cool thing, because it gets free television for, for Jesus. But it says in John 3.16, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know that one? I knew that one even when I didn't know Jesus. I got a little red ribbon to go in my Bible when I was at the Nazarene church on uh, some sort of vacation Bible school. I said it incorrectly. He said, what Bible have you been reading, boy? <laughs> but I got most of it right, so he gave me a ribbon. <laughs> So God loved us. He had mercy upon us because He created us and loved us. He intended for us to be His family. And now, He had devised a way to bring us back into relationship with Him. All those, that is, that will choose Him and and accept Him for who He is. And when God... When did God commend His love toward us? Romans 5.8 says, It was while we were still sinners, right? Therefore... God's love isn't conditional on our godliness. Not on our goodness. God doesn't love you because you're lovely. He loves you because He's love. That's what it says in 1 John 4, 8. God is love. So the focus of John 3.16, that scripture that we all are familiar with, isn't really on us not perishing, but rather on us having everlasting or eternal life. And according to Jesus' own words in John 17.3, everlasting or eternal life is in knowing God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ whom He has sent. And that knowing is that same word for know as as He used for Adam and Eve. Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. It's a passionate, intimate relationship, a personal relationship with God that He's after. And this is the very essence, the very meaning of eternal life. So a person who comes to the Lord for forgiveness of sins, but doesn't go on to experience intimacy with the Lord, is really missing out on the true point of salvation. It's great that we don't have to go to hell (laughs) and suffer there, but everlasting life begins here on earth. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son 
shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Isn't it interesting that they use obedience and believing interchangeably? I could do a a week series on that. Eternal life begins when we believe and receive Jesus. In this life, when we yield ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our will. Here I am, Lord. Let it be unto me as you say. That's what Mary said. That's what Mary and Joseph said. You think that was easy for them? It wasn't. It had to be hard. Really hard. And I know life is hard for you. Sometimes. You might be going through terrible crisis right now. Seems like the more the enemy gets word of this third great awakening that we have entered into, the more trouble he tries to cause. So you might be going through some great trials. It was the same with Mary and Joseph. As much as we wanted to, life doesn't come all wrapped up in a pretty little package, does it? Every day, our faith will be tested. And we know without faith, it is impossible to please God. The road will come to a place in every person's life, every day, where you come to a crossroads. Do I do what God wants me to do, or do I do this other thing? Will I believe what God says, who He says I am, what He has promised in His Word, or what the world says? What the deceiver says. You know that's what Satan means? The great deceiver? The liar? Jesus said he's a liar. And he always has been. He said, I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus took the sin of the whole world upon himself. And that removed the dividing wall of hostility, the Bible calls it, between us and the Father who loved us. And now He has reconciled us to Himself through Christ, if we'll accept Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses, sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That's awesome. What does that mean? We've gone from enemy to assigned. (laughs) From God's enemy To someone assigned by God. To be useful to God. To actually help God. And to be loved by God. 
But if we don't go past where the barrier or the dividing wall of hostility used to be and into an intimate relationship with the Father and with Jesus, then we're missing out on the true point of salvation in this life. The Bible says in Hebrews 2 verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So, why was it necessary for him to come? (laughs) Because we were desperate. We were stuck on four. (laughs) Those of you who read my book know what I'm talking about. What was accomplished by his coming? What do I mean by stuck on four? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation into which corruption entered in, we were stuck. Nothing we could do to redeem ourselves, to fix the problem, to get back into covenant, to get back into relationship with God. We gave it away. We lost what He gave us. We were in bad, bad trouble. We were stuck on for, and then came grace, redemption through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. No other religion in the world, folks, offers a Savior who has paid for their sins. Not one. The burden is always on the worshiper to earn the acceptance of God. In Christianity, the price for your sins has been paid for by Jesus. Not because you deserve it, but because He is love. God accepting us isn't based on our holiness. It's based on the sacrifice Jesus has made for us. It's based on us putting our trust in that sacrifice and accepting the payment as a free gift. This is the good news. That's what gospel means. So when I come, or you see somebody out on the street, or in a pulpit, telling you, you're a sinner, and if you don't repent, you're going to hell. You know what that is? The truth. But it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel, folks. That's not good news. (laughs) people call everything the gospel no turn or burn I'm preaching the gospel that's not the gospel (laughs) that's something people need to know but it's never caused anyone to turn they might turn on the outside that's what religion will do It'll make the outside of the cup really pretty. But on the inside, you got that old moldy coffee from about a month ago. (laughs) Has no power to clean up the inside. (laughs) Y'all with me? 
<laughs> John 1.17 says, for the, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's where we get the name for this church. And you know, you can know this grace. You can know this truth. John 8.32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, Jesus is the truth. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and grace and peace, we talked about peace last week. The, I call it peace of Christmas. Grace and peace can be multiplied to you in your life. Does that sound good to anybody? It comes through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Peter 1-2 Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Isn't that what I just said? Yeah. This eternal life that we're seeking, it starts now. It's not just something that people go and get dunked and get their fire insurance and they're once and done. It's not an event. I told, I told y'all, I got baptized twice, once drunk, and both times all I got was wet. And not very because they just sprinkled me. And then I really got it. That time I went all the way under. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So patient with me. Talk about why we give. We give Christmas gifts. We give our tithes and offerings above our tithes and we give to Cypress Assistance Ministries to feed people and we give blankets to feed the homeless and we give to help these different needs all around. Why do we give? We try to give till it hurts. <laughs> they say you're not really giving unless you give it till it hurts. <laughs> You give out of the leftovers. You give the best part. The first fruits. The tenth. The tithe is the tenth. And it's the first part. The best part. Because God gave His best. God gave everything. You know, He temporarily bankrupted heaven to send Jesus here. Streets are made of gold, you say so. That don't matter to God. It's just decoration. You go decorate your house for Christmas. You go buy all the finest ornaments and trees and all the things that you can do. And you go buy the best meal and you sit there by yourself. Tell me how fun that is. Some of us have done that <laughs> without the decorations. So. 
God, God gave me an assignment today. <clears throat> he gave me an assignment. He that I would ask you, along with myself, to help him to continue sharing his son Jesus Christ with others. So that's what I'm asking you today. You say, so how do I do that? Well, let me make it easy for you. Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus is the Anointed One. And we are His ambassadors. He's the one who heals, who teaches, who loves and blesses. But now, when He sat down at the right hand of the Father, He was finished. He, he, he delegated His authority to us, the church. He entrusted it to trusted ambassadors in this foreign land. This place called earth. And so by way of spiritual gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, He's still working His miracles. Miracles are very much for today. He's healing the sick. He's opening blind eyes. He's cleansing the lepers. He's breaking the yoke, the bondage and addiction and oppression and depression. Working through you. By way of gifts He gives you or has given you through agency of the Holy Spirit. But make no mistake, you do have a part to play. Every one of you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So God, in His great love and mercy, has, through Jesus, provided everything. That's grace. Everything provided through the atonement of the cross is the grace of God. Amen. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and not that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So this is where we enter into a balance between the grace of God and the faith of God. Titus 2.11 says, see, <laughs> I love Jude, one of Jesus' brothers, half-brother, okay. <laughs> he got a book in the Bible. It's one page. And he says, man, I wanted to write, <laughs> it's almost like I wanted to write to you like all these other guys, like Paul, and about this great salvation we've entered into. But instead, I'm, I'm ticked off. I've got to talk to you about this. these folks that have crept into the church who try to make the grace of God into a license to sin. It's not. It's not. 
Titus 2.11 says, Grace has appeared unto all men which bring salvation, teaching us to live godly lives. Grace of God teaches us. The grace of God provides and empowers us to be and to do everything that God has called us to be and to do. Hallelujah. Mark 11, 23 and 24, I, I use that a lot of time. Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be ye uprooted and cast into the sea, it will be done. If you believe and do not doubt in your heart. That's faith. God is calling us to live a life of faith. My righteous ones, who are His righteous ones? All believers. Who are the saints of God? It's not just the folks that they say at the place they went last night. Man doesn't decide who saints are. As an award. That's ridiculous. All true believers are the saints of God. That's what this Bible says. I, I never understood why. There's just so much of this people have to disregard in order to maintain their religion. Jesus said it the best. Your religion and doctrines of men have made the word of God of none effect. God said in Amos 3.3, How can two walk together lest they be agreed? He's not suggesting that he might change and be like you. First <laughs> Timothy 6.12 Paul told Timothy, We must fight the good fight of faith. Think about Joseph and Mary the night when Jesus was born. You know, I've seen that where God guides, He provides. But I've also seen that you can't put God in a box regarding His provision or anything else for that matter. If He's done something for you one way, one time, don't expect Him to be there and do it that way the next time. You may just be sitting there waiting for a long, long time. But I think, you know, you've stood where Joseph stood, probably. I mean, each one of us knows what it's like to search for a light in the night. You know what I mean by that? When we're desperate, hurting, feel helpless and hopeless, we need a little help, a little encouragement. That's why this the acronym for this church, I love it on that shirt there. Help. 
heal, empower, love, and prosper. That's what we want to do for others. And we want to receive that same help from God. Amen? But we've all been there. Maybe not outside of a stable. (laughs) Although I think I have. (laughs) But maybe outside of an emergency room. Or on the manicured... grass of a, of a cemetery on your worst day. We've asked questions. Haven't we? We've wondered why God. But if you're asking what Joseph asked, let me urge you to do what Joseph did. Obey God. Believe God. Trust God. Don't let the confusion disrupt your obedience. You have a choice to obey or disobey. Because Joseph obeyed, God used him to change the world. Him and Mary. Mary said, let it be unto me as you have said. When the angel told her. We can do the same thing. But we have to decide. It's a choice. We have to decide to be that kind of person. Will we be obedient servants and children of God. Even when we don't understand. Jesus is the reason for the season. Yeah. Who he is. What he's done. But really. If you look at John 3.16. People are the reason for the season. You. You're the reason for the season. He came to set the captives free. There was no other solution. You had a need. And he came to meet that need. If you know him. If you know Him, you have a lot to be thankful for. But if you know Him, you also were once a captive. And it should be your desire now to go tell everyone the good news this Christmas. This gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's great... Opposition now in the world, isn't there? Maybe greater than ever before, but we can't be afraid, folks. God is looking for some mighty men and women of valor. Christianity ain't for sissies, I say a lot. It's really hard. Especially when you were raised and you were born and all you ever knew was doing everything in your own strength and in your own way. And Then you have to find out it's a different kind of fight. I was good at the old kind. 
And then when I found out how deceived I was by this great deceiver, this liar, this devil, and God got a hold of me, I said, I want to fight him. I want to fight for you. Yes. And he said, then you, you have to, you have to connote. That in Greek, that means uh, empty out. You have to forget everything you think you know. Because I got to teach you how to fight my way. Hebrews chapter 4, Paul tells, or the writer, excuse me, tells us we need to strive to enter that rest. And then Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 12, fight! The good fight of faith and take hold of eternal life. <coughs> well, what is it? You want me to rest or you want me to fight? <laughs> good question. It's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? It's a good fight of faith. Because the, the victory has already been won. Second Corinthians 2.14 says, God in Christ always causes us to triumph in Christ. The triumph is the, the great parade into town after the victory. Where they used to march the defeated kings and generals with their... <laughs> a lot of times their big toes and thumbs cut off and, and beaten down and tied like this, showing they're no longer a threat to you or our people. And the Bible says this is what Jesus did to Satan. Isaiah 14 said one day we're going to be in heaven and we're going to see Satan, when he goes to get his ultimate reward, and we're going to say, that's it? That's the one who caused all this trouble for me? All the destruction in my life and my family? That's it? And I believe those are some of the tears Jesus is going to wipe away because we mishandled the salvation, the authority, the empowerment He had given us. And we let this loser run over us in this life. The battle's already been won. Now, the Holy Spirit gives us the the war strategy on how to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold of eternal life now in this life. It's not just forgiveness of sins, this salvation. This, it's, it's also healing for your bodies. Deliverance from all the Things that the enemy tries to depress and oppress you with. 
It's protection. It's called sozo in salvation. It's an all-inclusive. That's why it says in I just it quotes in Isaiah fifty three, I think in verse five, by Jesus' stripes you are healed. First first Peter two twenty four, Peter requotes that passage from the Old Testament and it says, By Jesus' stripes you were healed. If you were healed, you remain healed. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's no respecter of persons. If He did it for one, He'll do it for you. But you have to stand in faith. No matter what is coming against you, you need to learn to fight this good fight of faith. Victory is already yours in Christ. I heard from a prophet recently that the Lord told them the body of Christ has become weak, timid, and passive. And the devil loves it. People say, oh, maybe if I just, just let it go, it'll pass. Maybe if I just don't cause no trouble, you know, the devil won't bother me. Maybe he'll just leave me alone. He will not. i tell you that right now, he will not. He loves passive Christians because he's going to come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. (laughs) You need to rise up. You can't negotiate with fear. Fear is not of God. It is of the devil. Jesus came to a man one time near a healing pool who had been there for like 38, 39 years, something like that. He was an invalid. He was crippled. And and see, they back then the angel would come and stir the water once in a while. And when the water was stirred, the first one to get in there would get healed. And this guy had been laying there forever, basically. Well, there comes Jesus. Jesus said, the Bible says in Acts 10.38, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So there comes Jesus, and you would think, all right, <clears throat> this guy is just going to get healed. You know what Jesus said? You want to be healed? The guy, <laughs> he didn't say, what, are you crazy? No, he made excuses. Well, um, every time the water gets started, somebody beats me to it. Here's your crutches. Sometimes you got to stand up on the inside 
before you can stand up on the outside. You got to see yourself healed. You got to see yourself prosperous. You got to see yourself free of strife and bitterness and anger and hatred and all the things that are hindering you from laying hold of this eternal life, the blessings and favor that God has intended for you, and not only for you, but for the overflow to be a blessing to others. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isn't that what it says in 2 Timothy 1.7? Praise God. John 17.22, Jesus on that fateful night, He was praying to the Father. And He says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is going to have his prayer for unity. This end times church is going to be a beautiful bride adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power and authority and love. But be careful. There's a lot of deceivers out there. A lot of weird stuff coming. I'm talking about preachers that I know, that I thought I knew well. Now, they're preaching stuff that I never would have believed. I have a friend in Chicago. He asked me the other day. He said, preach? He's a plumber. He's not, he's not, I don't think he's saved. But, I'm piquing his interest, right? Trying to. You know how it is. Lord, how can I reach this person? Preach, I was working today and I went and I had to do a little a repair job at the at the house. He says this dude comes to the door and he got his little shorts on and his half shirt tied in a knot. And he says, Hold on. Let me call my husband. He's next door at the church. He said, Preach. Dude was the pastor. Is that okay now? I said, no, it's not. It's not okay. I got hundreds of stories like that. Only different. Different is night and day, but just as crazy. This is the truth, folks. Paul said, I don't care if me... And I believe he was the greatest grace preacher that ever lived. What courage he had. He was killing Christians and dragging them from their home. When Stephen, the first one ever martyred, was being stoned to death, Paul was Saul then. He stood there in approval. People were putting their garments at his feet. He was a Pharisee. and He was watching and liking it. And he went on and did more of the same. He was killing Christians before he wrote 
almost half of this New Testament. <laughs> you think he felt? You know, he ran into some of those families once in a while when he was out there preaching. Didn't matter. He found the truth. He said, I don't care if me or an angel from heaven comes and tells you a gospel different from this. Basically, he said, to hell with them. You believe the word. This is the only thing that's going to be left when all this is gone. You know, a guy that went to heaven... You've heard people's testimonies and you can weigh them for yourself. But I know a guy who I really believe went, had a visitation. He went to heaven and he, and he, and he met Paul and Peter and they were talking. And they were like, what were they talking about? He said, the word. They were discussing the word of God. Stand up, will you? First John four seventeen says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. You need to know that. In your born again spirit, you have the mind of Christ. You have the kingdom of God. You have all the peace, love, and joy you will ever need for this entire life within you. You need to learn how to draw it out by proclaiming the truth of God's word. Speaking the promises of God over your situations and circumstances. Don't believe what you say, what you see, and what you hear that is negative and in opposition to what God's word says. You speak what God says. When the devil says you're sick, you say, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. When he says you keep pushing it, you're going to make it worse. You say, ha ha, I'm healed in Jesus' name. It's a ruptured disc. If you keep on, you're going to be crippled for life. Ha ha ha, I'll keep pushing on and I'll live and I'll do whatever I have to do. And then you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to be healed in Jesus' name. But you have to believe it. You have to stand up on the inside before you can stand up on the outside sometimes. I want to speak a blessing over you. From Psalm 91, verse 11 through 16. The Lord says, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The Lord bless you this Christmas and always. I pray that He bring a righteous indignation within you to get mad at the devil. That He will give you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
And that you will use your authority in Christ to drive fear far from you. To drive sickness far from you and all those you know. To drive depression and poverty and all those things that are not of God far from your midst. When you enter into a room, people will begin to say, there is something different. What is it about you? I want what you have. You will have the aura of God. You will have the anointing of God resting upon you. Now and all the days of your life, some of you are going to begin to dream dreams and see visions from God. You're going to hear words from God. You're going to come back into this place and you're going to share words and testimonies of things that God has told you and God has done for you and through you. In Jesus' name, I declare it to be so. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and shout amen if you want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, people. Thank you, people.
Yeah.